Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. So, hi, Dana. It's nice to have you on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, before we begin with your introduction, the essence of this show is to invite triumphant guests like you to come talk to us about their stories because we believe that among our audience or listeners there might be someone who is going through what our triumphant guests passed through and came out triumphantly so they've got to talk to us about their story the challenges and how the solution and how they came out of it triumphantly so let's get started Dana, we have 20 minutes to talk about it. Tell us your story, everything that we need to know. All right, let's get started. Absolutely. Um, my story started actually probably before I was born. Um, my mother was a teenager when she became pregnant with me, um, and she was obviously scared and being on her own, unwed and young, um, just would have preferred not to have me. Um, and it's very unfortunate that when I came into this world, um, she had thought to abort me. She had thought to adopt me to another family, but um, she had some influence to keep me, so she did. Um, but she was always very distant emotionally. Um, she just stayed very detached. And then she ended up marrying a man when I was seven years old um, who liked me even less than she did. Um, and he physically and verbally abused me. And where this came into play was that it obviously affected me my whole life. It still affects me to this day, and I'm going to be 48 next month. But, you know, the, the physical abuse was bad. I didn't like it. Um, but the verbal abuse telling me constantly that nobody would ever love me, nobody wanted me, they shouldn't have to pay for me, I should have been more grateful. Um, to them for having shelter and having food and having clothing. Um, but I was just a kid. I was a little girl. I, I was just trying to live my life and, and be who I was. And also growing up, it, I was born and raised Catholic. So, you know, I had a very strong belief in God and I, I went to Catholic school even and, and Catholic university. So I had a very strong tie to God and to this idea of you know, why I was here. It, it just gnawed at me because I didn't understand if I existed and God wanted me to be here, then why was it that I was only here to suffer? I just couldn't accept that, you know, I was put here only to suffer and only to suffer at the hands of the people that were supposed to care for me and protect me and love me. Um, so I went out in the world, um, left that home as soon as I legally could, 
um, ended up ended up falling for a young man. Um, it shouldn't surprise me that he was also abusive. Even the day I met him, I will never forget. I didn't even care for him. He reminded very much of my abusive stepfather. Um, but I, I was familiar with the personality. I guess for me, I felt comfortable in a strange sense that I knew how to navigate a relationship like that. I knew how to please somebody, you know, and follow their rules so that they would look upon me favorably. And I, I knew how to sort of fly under the radar so that I didn't suffer the physical consequences or the threats of the disapproval that I might meet by doing or saying something that whoever it was wasn't um, happy about. So, um, you know, that relationship, I, I, I ended up marrying that man, had a son with him, and he um, actually made me sick. It, it, it's a very strange thing, but after 25 years Ooh. in this relationship, um, I actually I, became I done, very done. ill. Sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Can you adjust your camera? Sure. I can't see. I can't see you anymore. You can't see me? Yes, yes. My camera is on. Yeah, I don't see where to. Let's just, let's go on. It's showing that my camera is on. Oh, and I can see. That's very, you can turn on. Yeah, it's showing me. There's off and there's on. Do you see me? Blank, click blank. It wasn't okay, so Okay, that's strange. Yeah. yeah, that's very strange. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know why cuz on my end it's showing that it never went away. But if you can see me now, we can keep going. Let's just keep going. Maybe it's probably my name. Okay. Okay, not a problem. Um so by the end of my 25-year relationship and marriage to my ex-husband, um, what had happened was I had become very ill. I had lost within two weeks. I dropped down to 93 pounds, um, very skeletal. I couldn't breathe. I could barely use my hands, you know, just to pick up very light things, even toilet paper. I couldn't tear off the roll. I couldn't get into my house with a key. I was losing function of my body and my, my doctors ran all these tests and they sat me down and said, your body is shutting down. You know, you, you are whatever stress is being caused in your life. It's causing you a lung problem. You have a lung disease. Uh, you know, there were all these various medical problems I had, but they said, we can't do any surgery or give you a pill. It's because of the circumstances you're living in. Um, so I did divorce my husband and it was very hard for me to do that because as a faithful person, I, that, that wasn't ever an option to me. I knew we weren't happy, but you know, I felt that I made a commitment and I should honor that and keep my family together for our son. But, um, I realized that, and with the help of people in my church too, that, you know, if I wanted to live and it was down to, you know, life or death, and, and we did have some domestic violence involved in that relationship, you know, even my priest said, 
you know, God didn't put here for you here to suffer like that. You know, the church will understand, God will forgive you, you know, you will be okay. And I think for me that that was one of the biggest factors in giving myself permission to end that marriage because it's not ever what I wanted and was not my intention. But the miraculous thing was when I ended that marriage and moved on, I'm better. I'm healthy. I gained the weight back. I could breathe without an oxygen machine. I don't take any prescription pills. I I just, it, it was literally miraculous. But the other beautiful thing that happened at that point was that I had had a degree in journalism and psychology from DePaul University, but my ex-husband had never wanted me to pursue a career in writing or psychology. I had intended to, you know, help victims of abuse like myself because I didn't want to see anybody else grow up in a home like I did and be, you know, ill-equipped or have depression or anxiety and the things that I dealt with. Um, but without him in the picture, I was able to do that. And I ended up taking my journal where I would record the things that my ex-husband was saying and doing to me. And I elaborated on them. And I have actually published a book that is based on that journal that I kept. And I just feel that, you know, for the 40 some years of my life that I struggled to wonder why I was here and what my purpose was. If I was never meant to be here and nobody ever wanted me here, why then? Why God then? Why am I here? And I see now that my purpose, you know, God intentionally put me in the circumstances he put me in as awful as they were because he saw that I needed to experience those things. And he also gave me the talents and the education and put these opportunities before me so that I could verbalize those experiences. And so I could understand them so that I could do what I'd always felt was my mission since I was a child was to help other children like me. And it's so amazing to me looking back to think how I struggled all those years and felt so alone and so worthless and had such a meaningless view of what my life was. And now I see that it was all, the path had been laid before me um, to do exactly what I'm doing now. It just took a little longer. Some people don't have to experience some of the things that I have and go through, you know, the trauma and, and the, you know, the mental issues that come with that. But because I have been able to do that, I have been able through my book and through podcasting and, and various other means been able to help other women come out of abusive marriages. I've been able to help people, you know, gain some insight and mental health professionals, legal professionals, you know, that are helping children in abusive homes or families that are in abusive situations. So my work is being done. I'm sort of doing my own ministry in my own way, but I never saw it until I was actually able to do it. And I just want other people to know that no matter how dire their circumstances seem, there's a reason they're going through it. There is a reason and there is a purpose behind it. And even if you don't understand it, and maybe you never will, you are serving a greater purpose. 
There really is something more to what is happening to you. That's that's so good. You know, you mentioned something concerning purpose. That's such a great thing to discover. Your purpose. No. Yes. That's yeah, that's such a great thing to discover. Okay, so I have two questions to ask you. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Yes. So it's about um why do people stay in an abusive relationship? I think there's a lot of reasons. You know, I, I can only speak for myself, but you know, I think on a basic level for most people, you know, you have the investment of time. Um, and honestly, having our son together, you know, if people have one child or multiple children, it's not as easy to just say, I don't want to be here and walk out the door. Because oftentimes the person that is, you know, doing the abuse that is causing the harm, they will use the children sort of as pawns in that relationship. You know, for me, my ex-husband threatened me many, many, many times um, verbally and through emails saying, if you ever leave, I'm going to make sure you never see our son again. I'm going to take our son. I'm going to move somewhere where you will never find us and you will never see him again. And he did, in fact, um, attempt to kidnap our son in the middle of the night one night. Um, and, and that's actually in the book, um, the details about that. So I believed him and that scared me because my son was pretty much my lifeline. If I didn't have my son, I'm not sure I would be here today because I felt so low and I was in such a dark place. And, you know, I, I honestly, at some points felt like God had even abandoned me, um, and it's hard to speak of that now, but it, it's the truth. And I think a lot of people that are faithful will understand that. But my faith, again, held me there, too, because I knew who I was marrying. I mean, he wasn't it got worse as time went on, but um, I knew he wasn't good for me, so to speak. He wasn't the kind of man I thought I would marry. And um, I did it anyway. So I sort of felt like if I made this commitment on my own volition, then I should honor it. I, I, you know, but he was an atheist. So we did not get married in the church because he did not believe in God. And I should have had a clue then. But, you know, I certainly tried. I, I tried inviting him to church. I involved him in church activities that I was volunteering in. And sometimes he'd go and sometimes he wouldn't. But I thought if I could bring God into his life, maybe he would soften his ways. Maybe he would realize, you know, how much of an impact, um, you know, he could have if God put that goodness and that if he accepted that grace and, you know, expressed it at home as a husband, as a father, just as a man in society. I even read aloud books by Christian authors to him. I tried so hard um, to bring him to know anything, even if he didn't want to believe in God. I thought even just spreading the word, you know, like they say, it, you know, to 
put some ideas in his head of goodness and it just wouldn't stick. He, it just never resonated with him. Um, but I stayed because I felt like I owed it to him and to the commitment and to the, you know, to honor that and that I owed it to him and to our son and to myself to try and to keep trying. Um, it's just that unfortunately, nothing I ever did, nothing I ever said, nothing I ever read, nobody I tried to bring into his life, including some of my ministers and reverends and priests and, you know, people that I'd try to even in social situations get get him to talk to, nobody could get through. He, he just was who he was and he didn't think there was anything wrong, but... Um, you know, a lot of times people stay for other reasons too, maybe financial reasons. Yeah. There were, or I, I even know, and I was in this situation for a while. We had a dog that was very sickly and he was not very kind to the dog. And I know I've met some people, you know, that have shared the same that, you know, they, they were scared to leave their animals or they just didn't want, you know, there's so many things. And, and plus, when you marry somebody, your families are intertwined and they don't see what's going on. And oftentimes they don't believe what's going on if you tell them because the person is perfectly nice and they're yeah. funny and charming and all these things when they're around family and when they're at church and when they're in the community, but they're not that way at home. So um, people just don't understand it. And, and you don't want to lose that family. You don't want to lose that sense of belonging to people, you know, and having the love you have. It, you just wish it was coming, you know, mate primarily from your spouse. But um, yeah, a lot of things hold people in their, those situations. But in my case, I just, I, I think I just, it, it was about the timing you know, once I got sick from it and I realized I, I had to save myself um, and then I got out of it and I became healthy to me, that was a sign that God was looking down on me. He knew he wanted, he was forgiving me and he was okay with, and it had always been put in my path that I was not supposed to stay in that marriage. I was not supposed to die um, either by his hands or or by the physical illness that struck me as a result of it all. So um, I'm glad that I, I listened. You know, my great grandma always said, when you have that gut feeling, it's your guardian angel whispering in your ear. So um, I'm glad I listened to that and, and I'm okay. And I'm just here as a testament to tell other people that it's okay. I'm not telling anybody that it's okay to go divorce and, and, and condoning that, but I'm saying that you need to follow your true path. And sometimes that true path seems to go against what you believe or what you believe even God wants for you. When in fact, in my case, it was exactly what had been laid before me. That's not so good. That's not so good. Okay, you know, <laughs> I said I've got two questions and you've just answered the very first one. You answered it in such a way that it's so easy to understand, well explained. That well, anyone thank you. <laughs> yeah, anyone who is actually in that situation, just by listening to this podcast, I believe that they are going to be transformed and it is going to help them. So the second question is who is a 
narcissist and what advice would you give to someone in a relationship with a narcissist did you get that yes absolutely narcissists and so i'm going to start by saying this narcissists are not all bad they're not all like my ex-husband there are two types of narcissists and i always say it's sort of i call them like brain tumors you can have a benign tumor that is there but it's not bothering you so there are narcissists that they just seem to have a very healthy self-esteem they seem to be really into themselves and like having nice things but they're not bothering anybody like that. You know, there's one that I can think of that I love very much. Um, and I know I'm so anti-narcissist, but I love her dearly. And she really looks as good as she thinks she does. So I can't, you know, <laughs> I can't hate on that. But the malignant narcissists, like malignant tumors, they will cause your you problems. They might even kill you. Same thing with narcissists. Um, these are people who need to be so important. They need to feel admiration and praise at such extraordinary levels so that they feel exalted. And I use that word because they really do think the world revolves around them and that they are God. In fact, my ex-husband would fight with me every single Sunday when I would start getting ready to go to church and he would say, you love God more than, I, more than you love me. You spend more time with God than you do me. And I'm thinking, but if you believed in God, you would understand that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, exactly. And you would be the head of household leading our home and, and me and your son to that life of praise. But he wanted the praise you see he didn't even like when we had our son it was our child together that was when things had gotten really bad because he wasn't the most important anymore the baby was so narcissists need to be number one they need to be most important they are above everybody including god they are above everything they are superior to everybody um so if somebody is in a relationship with one you know, I always tell people we all come from different places, different cultures, different perspectives. You have to just do what's best for you. Because unfortunately, like my mother, the man that she had married is a narcissist. He was very abusive to me. My mother, however, likes to have her big fancy house and her fancy cars and their money and all their things so she has nothing to do with me she wants to have her life over there with him she is choosing that life and she is very submissive to him and says and does everything he wants her to do so she doesn't get abused and she lives her life i'm not judging but i'm just using that as an example that some people are perfectly fine i i mean i'm assuming she's fine but some people do choose that um, for me, it was it was physically killing my body. It was killing my soul. It was just not, I, I could not be at peace living with somebody who um, 
had that sort of mental, you know, mentality about themselves and that perspective. So I just tell people, listen to your, listen to how you feel, listen to your gut. If something feels off, if you feel like you are being controlled or overpowered, you probably are. Um, and that to me would be an indication that it's not going to get better because it doesn't seem like much in the beginning. It's little things. You know, for me, I'll never forget, you know, when we were living together at first, you know, I went to church every Sunday and one Sunday he said, oh, well, it's cold out and let's just stay in and cuddle and have coffee and watch movies. And, you know, you can miss church one time, can't you? And I questioned it and I fought it, but I'm like, yeah, what's one time, you know? Well, one time led to how many times? Led to a few years, actually, many years. And that's how they work. And that was just with me going to church. So you can imagine, you know, everything was dictated. The control was just unbelievable. So if somebody is telling you what you should wear and what you should say and where you should live and, you know, just being demanding like that, I think you're in trouble. Um, but you are, I tell people, you listen to how you feel. You are the only one who can make those choices for yourself, but um, they usually are not going to end up very good. And, and, and keep in mind that there are many narcissists. They like to be perceived as good and kind people. So they are in your church. They are coaching the, the teams at the school, the sports teams. They are in the community, you know, presenting themselves as leaders and as charitable people. Just be careful. Oh, Dana. Wow. That was a great one. That was a great one with Dana. I think. There you are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that was a great one. I want you to round up. You were, you were saying something. Okay. Okay, very good. So um, to round up with Dana, what is the title of your book? And how can anyone who is interested in getting it be able to get it? Absolutely. My book is called Gasping for Air, The Stranglehold of Narcissistic Abuse. Um, I would say go to my website, danasdiaz.com. That's D-A-N-A-S-D-I-A-Z.com. The link for the book is on there. Everybody usually just goes to Amazon, so it's on Amazon. And the links for Facebook and Instagram are there too. Um, and I also have a quiz on my website that you can take if you think you might be in a narcissistic relationship. So I would just ask that everybody follow up, um, follow me on either social media or on the webpage. I do have two more books coming out next summer um, that will talk more about my childhood and then things beyond that, um, still with narcissism and toxic relationships. So I hope everyone will keep an eye out for those. Sure, sure. I, I will keep an eye on <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> very good. <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you so very much for honoring the invite. Thank you, all that. thank you so very much. So that's going to be the end of the show. Thank you so very much, Dana. Thank you for coming. Thank you for honoring the invite. God bless you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So. You too. Bye. <laughs> 
Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.